Welcome, heathens and witches, to the Horn and Cauldron Podcast. Podcast. Pub, pub, pub chat edition. Pub chat edition. Uh, we're back at it again. Uh, so, uh, if you're new to this, the pub chats are like a like a chill hangout thing that's less organized and There's reasonable. No bullet because, points. Because I'm in charge and I'm unorganized and unreasonable. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> I win. Um, and if you uh, have been here before, welcome back, guys. Uh, cool. Get someone yeah. to drink. It's gonna be hopefully not a long one, but I say that almost every time we start these, and they are always way longer. Every because time I am before just we do one of these videos, he's like, sound. "It'll be quick, fifteen or twenty minute video." I don't think we have never, literally done never one gonna, fifteen or twenty. It's minute never gonna video. happen. It's fine though. Uh, so we'll get some business out of the way. Don't forget to like this video, comment below, share, subscribe, ring the bell, and do all that kind of stuff. Um, I'm John Norgrove and this is Julie Norgrove. I don't know if I already said that or not. And uh, let's just get right into the conversation on this one. Um, so um, this week, what I wanted to talk about is what in fiction or nonfiction that is not pagan have you like has influence inspired or otherwise altered your pagan practice oh. right so what what <clears throat> non-pagan stuff has altered your pagan practice as an example and, and i'll start first um with like a non-fiction kind of like like everybody's heard of this one obvious duh uh is alan watts lectures <laughs> I listen to those, like, I listen to an Alan Watts lecture, like, literally every single morning. I do a, like, go outside with my cup of coffee and sometimes a cigar and just, like, stand outside for 20 minutes just in nature. We live in the Redwood Forest. So, like, in nature, sometimes I do gardening. Sometimes I just stand there. Sometimes I bring one of the dogs out with me. Um, and just sort of, like, meditate and, like, stretch a little bit and just kind of, like, start the day that way. Um, which I understand is like not necessarily a thing that everybody can do, but I highly recommend it if you can. Yeah, I just found out. I just realized recently that. Uh, so when I do yoga and meditation in the mornings, I listen to like chill wave lo-fi, and the one that I've been like vibing on for the last week, it uh, like has an Alan Watts like segment of one of his lectures in yeah. there. Alan Watts, uh, altering consciousness. That guy. Yeah. He's too good, too good. Uh, so, like, that's a great example. Do you watch Alan Watts? Have you listened to any of his lectures? And if you haven't, it's a 1L Alan, by the by. Um, and a 2T Watts. Yeah, A-L-A-N-W-A-T-T-S. <laughs> uh, there's, like, a bunch of his lectures on... Um, Bunch of uh, on on YouTube, yeah. uh, in various whatevers, and like they have like the full ones, which are like an hour or two hours or whatever. But they also have like short form versions, yeah. where it's like here's just like his nine minutes or or twelve minutes or fifteen minutes on like some incredibly esoteric thing. Yeah, you know, I've also how to, seen how like, to stop uh, thinking so you're not so stressed out. I've also seen like, like lo-fi versions of them. They'll too, do like a binaural like a Alan Watt or a lo-fi yeah. Alan Watt. Those yeah. ones help There's, me focus his a little better. Kid also has a podcast. I don't remember his kid's name. I, I found it this morning. His kid has a podcast where he sort of like talks about his dad and then does like plays the clip from Alan Watts mm. and then sort of like analyzes it. It's very interesting. I've only like just got into listening to those because uh, I kind of like let the Matrix feed me whatever it's going to feed me. <clears throat> um, and so that was super interesting. So like keep an eye out for that kind of stuff if you're into that. It's very like um, he's using like Zen Buddhism and like Eastern religion to uh, analyze and like tear down like like 
sort of like Western toxic thought things. You know, he's very like everything is one thing. He's very like, you know, like life should be playful. And if you're not enjoying and playing in life, then you're essentially wasting time. And that's dumb because we don't have a ton of it. Um, he's also very stop thinking so much, right? It's very unask the question, which will take me to my next thing <laughs> that affects me. But he's very like unask the question about this stuff. And I think about this literally all the time and have long before I started listening to Alan Watts. And now that Alan Watts is bringing it up, I'm just like, Oh, I'm, I was in the matrix about it. Um, <laughs> but about like, just like, don't like, don't think so much about stuff. Don't worry about some stuff. Live in the moment. Like he, he there was a quote I heard from him yesterday. That was like, that was like, um, uh, depressed people live in the past and anxious people live in the future and happy people live in the present. And I was like, wow, that is fucking oh, mean. I don't like that at all. Dude, that is violent. He chose feel, violence with that statement. I feel attacked and seen. Yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. I was just like, damn, son, that's that's what's up. So, like, that's one of those, like, I mean, that's not fiction, but it's also not necessarily, like, woo-woo witchy pagan stuff. I mean, stuff. he's a philosopher. It kind of is, but it's, but it's like not, not the like same. directly you know? a cult. Yeah, he's yeah. not talking about like cauldrons or whatever. Spells and stuff. Spells and yeah. shit. Uh, for me, uh, there's many, but for me, there's yeah. a newer one that really stands out, which is um, several years ago, before the Panini, we listened to, we read these books on Audible um, that are part of the um, Dungeon Master series. The author is Dakota Kraut. Uh, by the way, any anybody we talk about in this episode, we're not affiliated with. Yeah. We're just fans. Well, this is also um, coming off the top of our the, head. The, the, Divine, Dungeon the Divine Dungeon series. The Divine Dungeon series. The Divine Dungeon series. And oh, yeah. in in that book, so it's um, it's a it's like um, kind of like a role playing fantasy. Book. It is straight D and D fantasy, but from <clears throat> the point of view of the dungeon. Yeah, of the of the dungeon yeah. and the character. Some of the characters that interact with the dungeon so cool. and it is specifically in it there is this idea of like leveling up so like being somebody who's done a lot of gaming you know you level up right but they really delve into this idea of like what leveling up is and it's it really it really mirrors a lot of like chakra stuff which i had been like kind of interested in but like never really got into and then after this divine dungeon stuff i like did some research on chakras and was like oh my loud like i yeah, yeah. i am here for this yeah. and like one of like they talk about like aligning your energy and like different um i don't even know that they called them chakras but um they're they're very akin to chakras and like cleaning them up and clearing them out and activating them and yeah. then also like once you've gotten like each one of those pa yeah like pathing, shaping pathing your energy in order it's it's like it, like if you're holding some mass unit of energy, right? <clears throat> like you can just like hold more mass units of energy and level up, but that's like inefficient. There's a threshold with which you're underneath a pile and a corpse, and it's just like a so bunch of energy. Like above like so you kind of like have to like shape it and spiral it, it and feed which it is in on itself. Interesting. I think about this. Yeah, book. I think like, about it all every the time. day, almost yeah. every day. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, so like, like one of the things it talks about with this is like having to like reshape your energy so that you can reach the next level. And like really, when you kind of think about it, when you're personally leveling up in whatever it is that you're doing, you are kind 
kind of restructuring your thoughts about a particular about things in order to reach what you know within you you would consider a different level and one of the things they talk about with this chakra thing is like on top of the person's head they have this like sort of cone that's like a spiral that grabs the energy and like, like brings pulls it energy in out and of the cosmos it in. very like third eye very crown third chakra eye shit. Yeah. like Hundo connecting Pasundo. to the source yeah. kind of stuff and i think about it all the time and yes. then there's another part later on in the series of books you don't have to read the whole series um, should, for the chakra yeah, thing it's but it's fantastic yeah and um it's like real the, the story is i don't want to give anything away yeah um, it is a, really it is amazing if you've played dungeons and dragons <clears throat> or like any sort of a like fantasy dungeon crawl video game and you and you read these books you're gonna be like wow damn i am did not think about it that way. Yeah, it is yeah. fully it flipping really everything it. you know on it. But its head. like one of the things that our character has to, that our main character has to like do in the seer in this like storyline of the series of these books is he has to choose what specialization to spec into. Something that's pretty common with video games, you have to choose a spec. Um, and for those of you that are not really involved in like video games or D and D stuff, a spec is really what like what's your spec? <laughs> yeah, like how how, how do are you know still- me? What is that? Right now, um, it, you want to play no, D&D? No. <clears throat> it's like um, it's like choosing your specialty. You know, like some people they're really good at baking, and we have um, some friends that one of the guys is really good at welding, like a yeah. genius. Yeah. You know, and like, like I am really good at or, sewing, yeah. and he's really good at you know. So it's like, yeah. what, what's your specialization? But think of it on a realize. more like. Think of think of it on like kind of like a higher level. Like, what's your specialization? Is it like? mediating between people that are upset is it harnessing your anger into creating a thing specialization is is where do you want to put your focus within the realm so like yeah a perfect example is let's say we want to specialize in you want to improve what you do in the kitchen well you can specialize in prep work which is knife skills and storage and like like uh like how long the food's going to be in this in the fridge and all that kind of stuff you can specialize in cooking which is the combination of ingredients to produce flavorful and texturally not upsetting food (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I have to put that up there because I've definitely baked or cooked some things where I'm like, this is good tasting, but the mouth is not happy. Um, yeah. you know, or you could spec into baking or honestly, you could spec just into cleaning a skill fucking lost in a lot of kitchens <clears throat> to be real with you. Bro. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so it's like, where do you want to spec? I very good at flavors. I am good at like mixing rando shit to make a flavorful meal. I cannot bake fucking cookies that you pull out of a bag and you have to cut and put on a sheet like you know the like tube cookie where you just like cut it put it on the sheet bake it at 350 for 12 minutes i pull that shit out of 12 minutes and it is not the same (laughs) shit that other people are getting i just i can't i i i don't do it i have zero points into baking whatsoever but i cooked a mat out of some shit and i got like good knife skills you know so that's specking is like you want to improve kitchen where are you going to do it you want to improve spellcraft what kind of spellcraft what is the thing the focus within that category yeah or think of it as like subcategories within the category that allow you to break through the like ceiling of level to level up into it you know um and and this this story um this this dungeon story talks a lot about like shaping energy and focusing on the shape of the energy and where you hold it and how you hold it and like the structures of things. Uh, it's very very good. I completely agree. That yeah. it's hundred percent on my list. Like almost every time I meditate, I yeah, think about we, that. We they talked about this in the book, and I was like 
shooketh. Yeah, yeah. You're just like, uh, life-changing? Like, I'm gonna need to stop listening to this so I can, like, sort of existentially stare off into the distance and process it for, like, a week. Sometimes you you just gotta, like, look into the void, and when it's looking back, you're like, sup, dog? I got questions. (laughs) I'm gonna need some answers. If you're just staring, you also got time to talk. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, okay, so on that... Uh, like books and such. Uh, there's a science fiction uh, quadrilogy, although the first two primarily focus on the like buildup, and the last two primarily focus on the like part that ruins my consciousness a little. Uh, and it's the um, uh, it's it's the um, uh, oh my god, what is it called? I just forgot. It's with the Shrike, bloody. Um, <laughs> The Hyperion Contos. <laughs> oh, boy. You just talk about like a little... it almost every I do. Day. It's so crazy. I talk about it all the time, and then on the spot, I forget. Uh, it's called the Hyperion Contos, um, which is, like, profoundly good. Uh, and it's a science fiction that takes place over a large period of time where, like, humanity has some beef with, like, AI and, like, all this kind of thing. But basically what it comes down to is that they're, like... <laughs> The main character in the second half of the series is this, like, byproduct of humanity and the AI, this, like, perfect balance, who's able to, like, access the space between spaces, plank plank length and plank time, which is P-L-A-N-K, that's uh, plank length and plank time are, like, scientifically speaking, the smallest units of measure. Like, you can't divide plank lengths. A plank length is, like, a billion billion of a meter or some absurd thing like that. I don't know the exact science there but it's like a length so small that you can't cut it in half because then you don't get nothing right it like it doesn't go any smaller same with plank time so she's talking about like the place between places which if you've listened to our podcast before you've heard me talk about the place between places many times as just like an aside one day we will delve deeper into that but even my thoughts are not fully organized on what I think is going on there. But um, she talks about utilizing the space between spaces. It's very, it's very let's use science to explain like metaphysical shit and how like the song of uh, like the like the songs of the stars it allows you to like move between locations and shit. It is so good. I listen. It's one of my once a year books. It's four books, but it's like once of my year, once a year series <laughs> that I just listen to. I can't not listen to it. There's something so like profoundly, and it's like even side shit. There is one or two chapters where they talk about a group of people on a planet called the Amoyeti Spectrum Helix people who have decided to break their society into colors so like if you want to be a red then that means that you're like real like boisterous and loud and like you know like aries and like anger and like that kind of stuff and if you're blue then you're a healer and if you're green then you're like a naturalist and like a like a nature person and a gardener and a farmer and stuff like that and they're not forced into these classes these people choose to essentially exemplify a color a piece of the spectrum so as to meditate and focus their consciousness 
into those aspects of it in order to allow well i'm always wearing red and i and i'm i'm one of the red people for the amoyetti spectrum helix people therefore when a blue comes up to me they know what kind of energy i'm going to bring into the table that kind of thing it's like to help facilitate communication and community because and again it's not like a blue can't marry it's not like a blue can't marry a red a blue can marry a red a green can marry a, a yellow like who cares right but it's that we are choosing to recognize the whole truth of ourselves and try and define it in like a very particular way. I think about the Amoyeti Spectrum Helix people easily once a week. It's fucking genius. It is maybe two chapters in four books and it has like altered my shit, dude. Yeah. Like everything about these books and they talk about, it's like a lot about philosophy and about like what is out there and what we don't know is out there and sort of like the kind of, problems with humanity but also the problems with how humanity our progeny our creations are a byproduct of the way that we raise them the things that we teach about humanity on them and stuff F fucking life-changing book series life-changing yeah. book series for me right um and again it's just like like it's just like four science fiction books it's really honestly science fiction <laughs> even more than it's philosophy and and like religion and philosophy and religion are huge parts i mean the catholic church is like a big deal in the last two books but um it is something else let me tell you yeah you know yeah so what's what's another one for you Ooh. um i i'm gonna have to say the little prince the book. The Little Prince, the book. Yeah, it's generally considered a children's book. The Little I mean, Prince. I would assume, yeah. Yeah. Um, that kind of sounds familiar, but I'm not, I got to look at the cover. I'm, I'm going to look oh, at the cover. Oh, yeah, you're going to recognize it, it as soon as you see talk it. Talk about it. So I first read The Little Prince in high school, and it had like a super profound shift on me. And for me, uh, The Little Prince is a book that's about preserving your imagination and also sort of like reading between the lines to understand like what's there. Like one of the, like one of the quotes that just like always sticks with me is what is essential is invisible to the eye. And it really like, it really did a thing to me. And I don't even entirely know what it did, but like it, uh, it reminds me to, to look to things that people wouldn't normally see. And in the beginning of the book, there's this thing where they talk about uh, a snake eating an elephant and what does that look like? And an adult says it looks like a hat, but the kid says it's a snake eating an elephant. So for me, um, I'm always trying to find the snake that ate the elephant, which sure. looks like a hat to somebody. And it's a lot of, it's a lot of like understanding what, um, you know, like signs and oh, and like omens and symbols and stuff like that. It's seeing the unseeable. Yeah, seeing the unseeable. Yeah, totally, totally. And it's a book that's filled with like a lot of ennui. And like, yes, it is a children's book, but it has some like really powerful symbolism inside of it that like even to this day, like still resonates with me. And it's it's definitely one of the things that has shaped my both my practice and my personality with that because I do look for signs and shapes and symbols. I am the first one to say, oh, that's what my cards meant or oh, this is a symbol that represents this or hey, that cloud looks like a Pikachu riding she a does, rhinoceros. She does She does like point out what clouds look like. 
Yeah. I'm always looking for the elephant inside of the snake. Yeah. No, I like it. I like it. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think when, when we're talking about these things, I, I, I think you said it the right way. Like it, it, it shapes your practice, but it also shapes your personality. What we're talking about are things that really do, in the truest and purest sense, alter our personalities. And I don't mean that in some sort of like a profound, all of a sudden you're believing hate shit or some nonsense, right? But like the kind of things we all have, we are all, a better way to say this, is that we are all a byproduct of the things that we consume, right? We are part our parents and part our teachers, our friends and our TV shows and the books we read and the video games we played. We are all our good times and our bad times. And, and as a machine, a byproduct of that, right? As the like output of the machine of time and space that we existed within, right? Some things are rendered more profound than others. Yeah. Right? Uh, speaking of something that I wouldn't call them kids' books, but something that I read at a much younger age, and I'm only just finally getting my hands on to reread because these books are out of print, which means I have to buy them on fucking eBay for like a honestly and genuinely disrespectful amount of money that is hurtful to my very soul is the Magic the Gathering series. I read those uh, back in like high school. Um, specifically the Ice Age cycle of the Magic the Gathering series, because the, the Magic the Gathering series, the books, and I, don't get me wrong, I've played the card game, like, since I was way younger than that, but the books in the Magic the Gathering series, and specifically the Ice Age cycle, not only changed my relationship with reading, right? Because, like, I was always, always, always an avid reader, but much more of a science fiction reader than a fantasy reader, right? Um, and the Magic the Gathering series was one of those, like, I think the first Ice Age Cycle book, uh, I think a friend was like, back in high school, was like, oh, you should read this, check it out. Like, I've read a bunch of these, they're super good. You play magic cards, like, you're going to enjoy it. And I picked up the book, and I was like, holy shit, this is so different. Because it, it, the books spend time to discuss the very personal interpretation, movement, flow and structuring of magic in that universe in a way that honestly i have never read a book that goes <clears throat> as in depth just in the ice age cycle they talk about so our main character in the ice age cycle uses this thing uh uses the like castle style of magic which means that in his mind he has like a mind palace a castle and in the castle, there's a machine, a device, a thing, right? Each room has like, let's say he goes into the first room and that's a fireball in it. So if he wants to produce a fireball in this room is the knowledge held to create fire magic and create a fireball. All the structuring, all the complexities of sphericalizing a flame and adding pressure into it so it explodes when it hits somebody and all that kind of stuff. And in that room and in every room is a window. That window shows the memory of the land that allows him to draw that magical energy out of. In Magic the Gathering, there are five kinds of magic, right? There's plains magic, swamps magic, island magic, forest magic, and mountain magic, which is uh, fire, water, land, like fire, water, green, you know, trees and grass and shit. Um, and then white, which is like plains, and black, which is swamps, right? And swamps is like death and shit. Mm -hmm. And plains is like angels and shit, and like paladins and shit. Um, but in the, in the game, 
fun, reasonable, understandable, game mechanic, very simple, right? Pokemon did it. But in the books, those places truly represent where the like tone of that magic comes from. Mm -hmm. And our main character, um, like is capable of achieving, like not just doing, like you have the magic that you're in tune with because you grew up there and you have a bunch of emotions there, but he's also, but he also learns how to like in become in tune with other places, how to blend. Well, if fire magic is like hot and like mountainous and that like sort of hard fiery, like kind of a thing. Well, if he blends that with like, let's say water magic, which even though they're opposing, right? Water magic is like flowing and adapting all this kind of stuff. He can do different shit and produce different shit. So it's this like mind palace to produce machines to like, like use these memories of the land to extract the magic, right? Mm -hmm. That's just the way that he does it, right? There's also planeswalkers, which have access to chaos. They don't say it that way. Planeswalkers have access to their own part of magic that's different. It's fucking straight chaos magic, dude, which yeah. is amazing. And I didn't really conceptualize until way later in the book series because I've read more than, I've read like most of the books in the Magic the Gathering series and would love to rebuy all of them. Um, but there's like, uh, they talk about these like priests, the button priests that wear these robes with buttons on them and they assign a button to a spell Mm -hmm. Right. And so you put a button. Oh, this button is like is like a material that's warm to the touch. So that's my fire spell. And this this button down here is is cool metal and reminds me of the surf. So this is how I can like purify water or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, and they talk about how to remember to keep the memory of the buttons. These button priests are like mumbling buffoons on the outside. Because if you just walk past, like if one of these guys walks past you, he's just constantly mumbling to himself fidgeting with buttons covering his cloak like crazy style right <laughs> and it's because he's constantly reworking those spell in his head constantly doing the effort of practice and analysis and updating so he can never forget any of the buttons and they'd be covered in thousands of buttons of from big piece big gold beautiful things for powerful spells to like simple wooden dongles their mother gave them but it's a spell for healing because their mother always brought them chicken soup and they don't they don't have the structure of of knowing that the magic comes from the land. They don't have the understanding or structure of knowing that they're building a machine in their mind to convert the, the energy of the land, which is the energy of change in that land, into a fireball or healing magic or whatever. But they know that that button represents a thing that lets them do it. Mm -hmm. Those are just a few examples, and there are genuinely hundreds yeah. of examples of this. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. So it's one of those, like, like, the Magic of the Gathering books changed the way that I thought about the diversity, the like great like like uh, uh, um, like uh, painted window of magic mm -hmm. is like how were these people able to access their power and how do they remember? And just because one person's doing it different doesn't mean they're not doing the exact same thing. They're just doing it different, and who cares? Yeah. You know, and yeah. there's so much. The ma oh God, I could spend hours talking about the Magic the Gathering universe. And you often is do. so yeah. bonkers. Yeah, you can ask her. <laughs> it, it happens. Uh, but so like that's another one for me. Again, like a high fantasy series that like not only altered the way that I approach a fantasy series, but also uh, really, really affected the way that I think about like power and magic yeah. and like what it means to like do spell work and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. 
It was also an early introduction into like the idea of chaos magic because of the way that planeswalkers just like rip magic out of like nothingness. Yeah. And can alter shit, but in like a in just like a truly bonkers way. And how like somebody like a water mage, like an like somebody who like accesses like island magic and water magic, has to be able to combat something that can just like be colorless. The idea of colorless magic exists and like crystallizing magic into crystals. Uh, all of it exists with it. It's like a weirdly well thought out universe based around a card game that if all you do is play the card game, um, you don't know about any of that. And I didn't yeah. literally until I read the books, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, let's see. So I'm going to switch over to movies. And uh, for me, one that really made a big difference was uh, Never Ending Story. Uh, I watched it a ton as a kid and something about never ending story. That's like always kind of stuck with me is this idea that whatever it is that you want, you can create it yourself. I even have a tattoo of one of the oracles from never ending story on my arm to remember, to remind me that I like that I can basically walk through the gates and they have judged me worthy. So for me, never ending story. Story. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Man. it's um, it, it's just like, you know, I have never read the book and I have always wanted to read the book and it's just never quite happened. Uh, so I'm only real. I don't think that I knew that there was a book. Oh, yeah. So I'm only <laughs> operating off of like the movie thing. Well, and funny. it really like kind of drives home this idea of like, well, can you think it? Because then it's real. And that really sort of like helped helped me a lot with like sort of thinking about magic and the abilities that I just sort of like naturally had as a small child. And then as I grew up, it became resonant in, in different ways as well. You know, like, um, he's got, he's got a Falcor, his luck dragon. And in a way, isn't Falcor kind of just like his spirit guide. Yeah. And he's got his friends on the other side. And in a way, isn't that just sort of like the cosmic other realm, whether that's the realm of the dead or whatever you want to look at it. Or, the or, fae, or whatever. Like, some sort of otherness that's like Yeah, where he can live homies. in both worlds at yeah. the same time and be able to traverse them is like something that's sort of like a really sort of like core part of like my spiritual practice is being able to walk in the other world. Totally. To totally. be able to interact with the other world and then to be able to make things happen, not only in this other world, but also in the physical realm that we currently occupy. Totally. Totally. Yeah. It's a great movie, man. It is. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so not movies, but some of them were movies, is everything ever made from Star Trek. And I understand <laughs> if you don't like some Star Trek, that's fine, right? As a youth, I was very not a DS9 person. When the war were declared, I chose the side of Voyager over DS9. Fight me about it. I don't care. Um, but uh, as an adult, it's funny. Dad and I were literally just talking about this the other day where dad was like, oh, yeah, he was never really super into DS9 either, which, like, obviously I was a kid, so that's probably one of the reasons why I was not into DS9. But, like, dad wasn't into DS9 either. And we watched Voyager and TNG and those, but we kind of didn't really watch DS9. But then, like, later on in like syndication and stuff like that, we started watching DS9 and and like, I, I enjoy DS9 now. It's a fantastic show, like no hate at all on DS9. Definitely as a kid, I was like, Voyager is better. Uh, and Voyager is still like one of, if not honestly my favorite 
Star Trek series. It's so it's so good. I love Janeway so much. Um, but uh, like even Enterprise, which is generally accepted as not being that great, like is good. Did they make some slip ups? Sure, but like whatever. I mean, the first season of TNG exists, and it is it is rough, especially on rewatch. I watched. TNG like almost every single day because of the BBC. Thank you, the BBC. Not sponsored, but like, <laughs> if you need some help choosing which episodes to put on, I, I know everything. <laughs> Upsettingly. So, there you go. Um, but, uh, there's there's a book or whatever uh, from as a youth that I read that was basically like everything I ever learned, I learned from Star Trek. And it's like, it's like science and all that kind of shit. Mm -hmm. But I think about that saying pretty often, right? The book Im import notwithstanding is that like Star Trek is a profound f portion of my consciousness and the way that I like interact with reality. I think of things in the form of like very Vulcan stuff and very Klingon stuff, very very much the way a captain of a starship would think of stuff, right? Um, Star Trek has teaches so much morality and it teaches so much like understanding, uh, but it still doesn't necessarily shy away from magical shit. You know, I, recently, we do Star Trek reviews on the YouTube channel. Uh, and so like uh, the most recent, after the most recent uh, review we did for Star Trek Picard, um, I was thinking about like how magical Star Trek really like practically is and insanely magical is the answer. Uh, Star Trek is almost fantasy. It is right at the fence of fantasy, mm -hmm. right? It might even have a whole foot underneath the fence into fantasy because there's like a myriad of gods, right? In the form of Q and other sundry assholes who show up and ruin the day for our uh, crew for one episode. Uh, and then disappear and we don't think about it again. Um, well, you know, or until the next time. Uh, they've got whatever the heck strange energies is that is like never addressed. They're just like strange energies happen. Now this guy's a living god and kind of an asshole, right? And you got all sort of like spirit realm stuff. I mean, hell, in Voyager, Bolana Torres goes to Stovacor, proving the existence of the Klingon afterlife multiple times. Chakotay uses his Native American ancestry to, like, actively access his, like, spirit animals and the, like, spirit plane with his, like, ancestral tree and stuff like that. Like, th th this happens often in TNG where they're, like, doing a thing and then come to find out ghosts are involved. Um, so how do you think that Star Trek... <laughs> It's, it's, magical it's specifically practice. a function of the way that I approach certain things in my magical practice as a byproduct of the way that I approach everything just like as my consciousness. Like it's probably not that unobvious that I'm kind of an emotionless robot man sometimes. Um, so it might be more than sometimes. Um, which is part of this like, this like, striving towards logic, right? And like, I'm not gonna, like, even the most woo of woo-woo, I'm always approaching from a logical place. That doesn't mean that it's not woo-woo, it just means that it's logical woo-woo, right? Because logic isn't the antithesis of religion and faith and practice. That's a stupid conclusion in my opinion. Um, but at the same time, like, for very, very obvious reasons, I relate a lot to 
uh, Klingon stuff, and Klingon stuff is very obviously built off of Norse stuff, mm -hmm. a thing that I actively practice and that I didn't really realize the connection to early on in my practice of the Norse stuff. And now I'm very aware of in the fact that I sort of take Nor the like Norse practices and I look at them through this very like honor and like boldness and structure from Klingons mm -hmm. and not necessarily from whatever the heck is going on with other Norse practitioners, right? And that's no hate on nobody know how. Yeah. It's just that like, like the way that Klingons practice their religion and the way that they do their things is is something that like very deeply relates to me and my practice of Norse mythology. Yeah. My my like 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 insane focus on like logic and efficiency and like infinite analysis, the like free space in my head to always question and analyze um is purely a Vulcan thing and Vulcans have mind powers. So they're like super logical but also telekinesis uh and if you've read the books which i have read a lot of them maybe most of them um pre-vulcans learning how to control their mind powers they were monsters like whole nightmares absolutely the worst right so it's that thing where it's like you know you know i, I guess the like vulcan logical and analytical thing is the like yeah okay everybody says great power comes with great responsibility but like what the fuck does that mean guys think about it with more depth also don't think about it too hard because then you're gonna find out that spider-man might be a bad guy but it's that kind of a thing right yeah it's that i sort of like try and uphold Starfleet values in my everyday life and in the way that I communicate with people and in the way that I practice. Star Trek is a direct responsibility and like a direct thing that connects me to like obviously my family because like my dad's a big Trekkie and like a lot of my family members are like Trekkies and stuff like that. But it's also this thing that lets me like sort of constantly analyze the way that I'm sort of delving into a topic or a subject. Star, Star Trek is like everything for me, right? Yeah. It's like the rule and guide of my consciousness, specifically Starfleet, the Klingons, and the Vulcans. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so as such, I use those to color the way that I like interpret new information with regard to my practice. So it's like even more deep than just like, I'm going to do... Uh, Batleth bloodwine stuff where I'm gonna like scream when somebody dies although I might actually do that <laughs> yeah that's the yeah. one of the best scenes in in uh, TNG when that one Vulcan officer passes away and everybody's just like ah! and all the rest of the crew is like oh what the heck is this because they weren't yeah. used to that you yeah. know like yeah. that kind of a thing yeah you know I think that um, I think that for me like thinking of things that are like formative that have instructed like my magical and spiritual practice it's actually smaller than the things that i have come across where i've been like oh that's like this thing that i do or this way that i feel less of a formation and more of a confirmation sure. for me so like reading um the golden compass books sure yes it was that's a like great a example. huge confirmation uh, for me the, the way that i look at materials like, yeah, series. His, yeah yeah um in the yeah. way that they talk about like the daemons and being like they're kind of like your 
that I, I, I think of them as like your spiritual guides and, and the like connection that they have with that. And also the like multiversal nature un, of things. They're like untethered in shape as a youth. But as you mature, they solidify into a shape to represent yeah. your personality. I completely agree. Also, the multiverse thing, the the um, Amber Spyglass and the Subtle Knife are both like... They're fantastic Fucking books. mad slept on books because yeah. everybody reads the Golden the, Compass and then it's just um, done. The movie that has Liam Neeson in it, I really liked, but I did not like the show on HBO. The, oh, yeah. Liam Neeson and who's the who's the chick? Who's the bad chick in that one? Um, um, Tom Cruise's ex-wife? Is it Nicole Kidman, maybe? Is it Nicole Kidman, yeah. maybe? I think it's maybe Nicole uh, Kidman. Yeah. That is a good, that is a good movie. Yeah. Definitely underappreciated, because I, I, I think a lot of people were not fans of that movie, which yeah. I get it. They were it trying to compress too much. It kind of jumps the shark much. a little bit, yeah, yeah. but like it really confirms a lot the of show, the things man. that I felt. And, and um, if, if you are listening to this and you're someone who came from like a very strict religious background, I highly recommend that you check out the um, Golden Compass, the His, His Dark, Dark Materials, Materials series. Yeah. Um, I think there's technically four books. We have four? not listened to the last book. Okay. But um, like whether you're listening to them on Audible or like reading them like physically yeah. books, uh, I highly recommend it because uh, the, the easiest way for me to describe it is if... Um, the Narnia books are a little bit about the ideas behind and principles of Christianity. Narnia is Jesus lying. His dark materials is why religion is not a thing. Untrustworthy? Yeah, why why religion is sort of untrustworthy yeah, and why you yeah. shouldn't be it's, putting all your baskets in there. It, or it all is, your eggs is, in that basket. It is not a direct confrontation, although a lot of people will interpret it as such. Uh, and it is not a direct response to the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, the Oh, uh, yeah. They those, really have uh, nothing but, but, to do with each no, other. No, no, no. They, they don't. But you often hear, like, oh, his Dark Materials is, like, a direct rebuttal to Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe and, like, a direct rebuttal to, like, like Christianity or, like, big religion or anything like that. I, I think it is a significantly more um, nuanced conversation than that. But I yeah. know that that's the way that if you were to just, like, look it up, like, watch a YouTube video review yeah. comparison, that's generally they make those two opposing stories. Yeah. And I think that it's really just, like, a different interpretation of the same, like, root setup yeah. of structure and how two different characters would run through that kind of structure. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, definitely the His Dark Material series um, of books... Uh, we weren't super into the show. We've only seen, we only watched like a little bit and could not at all with that. Um, and the movie's good, but it also misses most of the point. Yeah, yeah, it's like Which a is little fun. bit I think it's like a two-hour movie and a whole-ass book. So like, they gotta cut a lot of faff. But the faff is where the good comes, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so his dark materials not something that formed, but that confirmed certainly, a lot of ways that I felt about things. Yeah. Like there have definitely been other things that I have looked at and watched or read or seen and been like, oh, oh wow, that's like a thing. But like his dark materials came to me at a time where I was in the broom closet. <clears throat> so having this idea that like that like this sort of uh, arrangement shall we say uh was there is just like what and it really like stuck with me and i, I definitely loved the way that it turned out because it sort of like had me ask a lot of questions about my existing belief structure to sort of refine and move it forward in ways that i would not have been able to do had i not read that 
Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, j- another one that just came to mind, I can't believe I didn't think about this beforehand, especially when we were talking about books earlier, is the Iron Druid Chronicles. Mm-hmm. Right? It's another one that I talk about regularly. And, and not only in, like, form and structure with magical systems and deities and, and the interaction thereof and therein, but um, the Iron Druid Chronicles and there's another series, I'm trying to think of what it's called off the top of my head, um, but the Iron Druid Chronicles, I'm going to list a couple of series that all fall into the category of, like, how would a modern person interact with ancient power, right? You've got the Iron Druid Chronicles. You've got um, the uh, the Queen's Road. You've got, what is the other one from the guy who made the Queen's Road? Oh, um, the, oh my gosh, I don't know. The The author's name is R.S. Belcher. Yeah, the, the like, main R.S. Belcher story with the, like, with the like the black doll, yeah. The yeah, with like he's like a wizard, and he's like, but it's like modern day, but like and that Jesus, oof, the, the black doll, yeah. That is that that grip of books is like, oh, um, like prepared to have everything you've ever known, just like shaken violently, <laughs> violently shaken for no reason. You didn't yeah. ask for it. It's just a fantasy story. Why? Gods. Um, because like he talks about, oh, well, like all the weather, like, like, like all the big weathermen are part of a cult that like use weather magic. And like the fact that they're a little wrong is literally part of the process of them doing magic and how every dollar bill is a thing or whatever the heck the plot is. It's been a while, but like, like there's so many little things. He builds this universe where like, like all the magical shit still today but also like how would you use that right it's very like Andrew Chronicles the Black Dahlia series um uh there's there's another one that we read recently that 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 touches on this also where it's like it's like how can you do magic and stuff today effectively right and you you get this in a lot of the like science fiction like neuromancer and the one with the guy who's uh, uh who's like a who's like a, a like a um, like a cyberspace ninja who like hunts information and stuff like that mm-hmm. you know that weirdly back connected to sumerian gods remember that shit oh, oh yeah, my god yeah. oh, oh jesus that series was like another one where i was like oh this is gonna be fun yeah sci- like that like, wasn't even a series that was one or, book. or a single book yeah, yeah. That, that book was one where you're just like yeah science fiction and like halfway through you're just like i'm sorry do i have to know about sumerian gods i did fucking research to read this what's happening right now um but like I like a book that uses that modern interpretation where, like, I know everybody wants to, and again, like, no hate. Like, everybody wants to do the, like, big cloaks, go out into nature, foot in the grass, like, classic magic shit. Snow Crash. Snow Crash was that one, yeah. Um, But, like, you can do, the like, why can't your wand be, and I forget what series it is, but there's a series of books uh, that I like where, like, like, the wizard's wand, his wand is a broken drumstick. His wizard staff is a hockey stick because he plays hockey. So that's the wooden stick that he's got near him that's as long as him. You know, like that kind of shit, you know? Any, anything, I mean, honestly, the Highlander TV series, if you want to get like a bit a bit weird about it. Um, or a lot of the like modern uh, vampire legend stuff. Yeah. Sort of treats to like, yeah, you have the like structures and forms that exist. But like, if salt... A great example. We were we were talking about this like a month ago. So if salt 
is a barrier that will like keep demons from getting into your house. And if you got salt in a bag, you like throw it at a bad thing and it's gonna like negate all that bad energy. I have a thing I bought on Amazon uh, called a, a bug assault gun. It's a plastic <laughs> Nerf gun looking thing that you put a little bit of table salt in and it's got like a spring pump and you fire and it fires like a little puff of salt out of it for like getting bugs and spiders dead, right? Very simple concept. You're not like poisoning the land because you're just using salt. And it's not putting out so much salt that you're like Carthage the motherfucker. You know what I'm saying? Like it's just a wee bit of salt, but it's like enough. And we were we were doing something one day and I was outside uh, assassinating moths because we have a moth problem where we live. And um, Well, we don't have a moth problem. We just live in an area where there's a lot of moths. It's a moth problem to me because uh, I don't want moths. Uh, they're weird and fluttery, and they, they don't have any respect for your face space. Uh, they're real just like, oh, what's going on inside of this face region? Oh, oh, oh. And you're just like, get the fuck out of here with this. Man, what are you doing? Anyway, uh, so we got this bug assault gun, and like, just random thought came into one of our heads, and we were just like, wait a minute. Would this thing also work against demons and shit? And we're just like, yeah. Actually, it would, man. Yeah. Like you're seeing all these, like you're seeing like Charmed and shit, where these ladies are walking around with like a, <laughs> a fucking pouch full of salt to to throw at a guy. One of these bug assault guns, way more effective, exactly as useful. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like one of those things where it's like, if all you're doing is focusing on the like traditional ancient practice, and there's no hate on traditional ancient practice, but if all you focus is on is the 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 like practice part of traditional ancient right then you lose the opportunity to think of this like innovative shit that's around you all the time or to you know? incorporate things that you have found in your life that you've come across with that have resonated with you yeah. that you can add into your spiritual practice this is like that thing that we keep talking about with like the Marvel stuff and we also talked about with um, Doctor Strange yep. and the Multiverse of Madness where it's like why not give these things power because they mean yeah. something to you? It's a, like, it's the it's the American not? gods thing. Yeah, right. You know, you can worship at the at the highway, right? You can worship the god of of like the internet or you know the American dollar. But you don't or, even or necessarily whatever. need to just keep it with deities. I think calling it the American gods thing kind well, of puts the, it I'm in a box making that, that makes as an it example. too similar to like deities. But like yeah. you can take all you can take any of these structures really and just sort of decide that that's how that's going to work for you. Yeah, totally. And for your magical practice. Totally, totally, like, totally. Like and totally. you can take things from so many places. Like I remember when I was in high school like a million years ago. Yes, the, yes we rode dinosaurs to school. It's true. Uphill both ways. Uh, our, 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 like, English teacher, we were doing a comparative religion segment, and our English teacher who was teaching this played the sections of the Star Wars movies, which was then just episodes four through six, and and only played the sections where Yoda or where Yoda was talking or where they were talking about the force. And I had watched Star Wars a million times, and it did not change the way that I viewed Star Wars, but... I could tell that it definitely changed the way that some people who had already seen Star Wars viewed Star Wars, and particularly this idea of the Force. And this is like, you know, before all the midichlorians and all that nonsense. But, yeah. um, like, it, it was really, you could tell that it was like a game changer to some people to think like, oh, there's like a thing here. Yeah. And there's no reason that you can't take that idea for your own spirituality from 
anywhere it is that you see it, you know, video games, um, you know, movies. I know we've talked a lot about books, but that's just because we happen to be very bookish people. If if your practice is your own, which it is, and you are a product of the things that you consume and the things that you consume have the potential to alter your perception and perception is the manner in which you're able to interact with like reality itself, a logical thing to accept and adapt through is that like everything you do, everything you learn, every book you read somehow gently alters the way that you interact with whatever this divine force is, whether it's with deities or with magic or or, or, or with meditation or, or anything at all. The way that you clean your altar, the way that you put rocks and stuff down. I mean, like, you know, we've talked about this before. Like, I never really did like tarot stuff or anything. And I now have a disrespectful number of tarot <laughs> decks, like too many. Like, it's a real problem, and yeah. I should address it, and I'm literally not going to at all, not even a little bit, right? It's the only thing we're going to feed that monster. Yeah, it's fine, yeah. whatever. Uh, so, like, it's that kind of a thing, right? Um, you know, it, it's, it's, uh, oh, man, what was I just thinking while you were talking about that? It, it was like, it's like, you can be informed by any of the things that you learn, whether it's learning that the Force and the Jedi... Maybe, maybe sometimes not the best that Jedi canceled those guys, like with regard to like Star Wars and stuff like that. But then there's also like you can learn what not to support or what you don't like in a practice or in your own practice through the things that you've watched or observed or read or learned from also. Yeah, I think really the thing is, is like taking all of these things and making... Your practice, your own. Yeah. And and not just like, oh, I do things this specific way, but sort of like forging your own path. Like, could you follow somebody else's path? Absolutely. Ain't but maybe wrong with that, bro. But maybe you follow it just like two steps to the left. Yeah. You know, or maybe you go down an entirely different road or you see an overgrown path and you take that. Like, there's no reason that says that your practice has to fit into a box. Yeah. Or that you have to do these specific things in order to be a witch. Or that you can't be, uh, that you that you're not supposed to use runes because the ancients use those as a form of writing. Like, there's, there's create your, you know, choose your own adventure, make your yeah. own path. You know, like take these things that shape you as a unique, singular individual. If you're into it and and turn that into your thing. Yeah, totally, totally, totally. Well, you know, that that leads me into and to sort of like wrap this up because we've been going on for way, way longer uh, than I was intending. But also I'm not surprised about um, is like uh, so I grew up in a kung fu school. So a lot of things that I do are sort of informed by lessons I learned in kung fu and through like Buddhism and things like that, as well as like my dad um, uh, being the kind of person who is just like read everything, study everything. Right. I mean, like I read all, all like most religious texts before I was like a teenager right because it's like you have to like you should want to learn these things so you can understand them because if you don't understand them you can't make an informed decision about them right but there's this thing in kung fu in the way that i was taught kung fu where it's like you can throw a punch i can show you how to throw a punch Uh, i'm gonna show you how to throw this punch you know how to throw this punch piece of cake boom punch no problem right uh and you can practice the form and you can get good at it but it's not your punch you're throwing that punch 
right? And after you've done it a thousand times or 10,000 times or whatever the number is that your, that your particular Sifu is telling you about, right? Uh, after you've done it that 10,000 times, right? It was always like 10,000. After you've done it like 10,000 times, now it's not throwing a punch. You're throwing your punch because you're making it your own. Listen, yeah. technical punch, right? Uh, by the book, rule of the law you gotta you gotta start down here with your hand in a particular position and you gotta throw it and twist your hand in a particular position and you want to make sure that you're making contact before your elbow locks and all, there's all these like little fine details in throwing a punch right but like if the way that you imagine throwing a punch is like a like a thing that i was taught is like don't punch the front of a thing punch the back of a thing and the reason why is because then your follow-through adds a little bit more energy to it Right? So it's like, okay, you're punching the back of the thing. Well, that might not be the way that it's taught. That might not be the way that the person who's teaching it to you is like thinking about it in their head. But if in your mind, when you're throwing a punch, you're punching the back of the punching bag and not the front of the punching bag, then that's your punch. You're making it your thing, right? And this is like a, like a huge part of the way that I do anything at all, especially in my in my practice and my like craft and like witchy shit and stuff like that is like you know what there's a bunch of rules about shit and that's gangster and i'm gonna learn those rules and i'm gonna study the way that everybody else is doing it and then i am going to do it ten thousand times until i find the way that i want to do it yeah when we talked about like runes and tarot and that kind of stuff i don't do reverse tarot cards at all not even a little bit i just don't like it I'm not into it. it. It doesn't vibe with me. It doesn't mean I'm judging anybody who does upside down or backwards or face down or any of that shit. I, it's not my, it's not my, it's not my bag, baby. I'm not doing it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And that's because for me, that's not part of it. Also, I feel like tarot cards are more than capable without being upside down or backwards of being sassy assholes. So I don't know <laughs> that I need them to have more sassy asshole powers, a separate and distinct thought. Right. But, but that's that thing, right? It's like, because we're byproducts of the things that we're learning and, and, and studying and practicing and observing and, and interacting with and all this kind of stuff, we make things our own. And the making of those things that are our own takes time and it takes repetition, but inevitably you find a way to make it your thing. I do rune stuff differently than everybody else. I do tarot a little bonkers, right? Uh, my practice is... Every single day, more and more chaos magic than anything else. And that's just because I'm just like raw dogging, like the very idea that my will can alter reality. And every time I'm like, this seems more right. I don't like that it's more right, but it's more right. <laughs> so I guess we're just going to do that. And like the power of positive thinking and the power of the fact that like, you know, the mind alters the way that we interact and the way that we interact. You know, it's like if you act confidently, people do more. Well, like are more willing to want to work with you because you're confident. Nobody wants to work with like a sad person, right? But like if you're fun and confident and lively and all this kind of stuff, then like people are like, oh, yo, what's up? There's downsides to that. Like every time I go into a Home Depot, regardless of how silly I dress, because I am always dressed like a silly mad person, people assume that I work there. They have a uniform. I don't work for Home Depot. Stop asking me questions, except <laughs> I do technically know where everything is in both of the Home Depots in our area, so I can help you find the thing that you're looking for. So that might be part of the reason. It's a problem. <laughs> it, is, it is a problem. I go to Home Depot once a week. That's how bad my 
my problem is there. But, like, th that's the thing. is It's like, have that energy. Have that confidence. Have that stuff. Make that stuff your own, right? And that's why I do weird rock shit, and I make my own candles, and my altar is currently mostly plants. <laughs> and, and like, I do tarot weird, and I and the way that I practice chaos magic is damn nearly zen, right? And, like, zen shamanism, which is absurd of its own volition and things like that it's like make it your own make it your own make it your own yeah. right and that is such a, a like talking about things that don't have to do with like practice and woo woo right but that have like altered the way that we practice and woo woo yeah is that the core of my being is still that student in kung fu school as a child sitting there and learning all of these lessons from all of these teachers and being like made very aware of the fact that every kick isn't mine until i've done it ten thousand times every punch every stance every movement every breath everything. It's not mine until I've done it 10,000 times. So I understand that my body might not do it the same way that your body does. And are you throwing a punch and that's just going to hurt? Yes. Am I throwing a punch and that's just going to hurt? Yes. Well, when we spar, we understand those things. And so I'm not trying to interpret how I think the punch should be thrown. I'm trying to interpret how is this person going to think the punch is going to be thrown. So that way I could adapt accordingly. And that's part of that like infinite chaos dance of combat or combat sports like kung fu and sparring and things like that you know and i've done other forms of kung fu uh like five animal and seven animal and and uh qigong and uh like that kind of thing and how they're a little different but essentially all the same because a punch is a punch then a kick is a kick and a tumble is a tumble and it's just different because of the person who started the chain of communication that has allowed it to evolve from person to person to get to this place right mm -hmm. and that's like this very profoundly distinct thing in me that like causes me to be like oh hey is this person practicing like mad different like odinism than i am gangster <clears throat> we're friends now we're gonna talk about it you don't know me i'm sorry for interrupting your conversation and then i just <laughs> make friends at bars with like yeah. random dudes who have norse tattoos and i don't know who they are like that kind of thing yeah you know what i mean yeah so like I, I think the like the the crux the out the question for this right it, since we've been going on for a while is what thing has profoundly shifted your practice your personage as a practicing person and like like and, and genuinely what do you recommend is it a book series or a book or a movie or a tv show or or something like that let us know below because then we get to read those also part of this is what made us us and part of this is what made us us so that way you can read it and maybe you don't like it and that's fine and maybe you're like oh shit that's super similar to the thing that i'm doing and you're like that's gangster right verification yeah and maybe you read it or you watch it and you're like oh Oh, I never thought about it that way. Oh, damn. Right? Yeah. Because, like, we're always still learning. We are all students of the universe, right? And so sharing what books we checked out from the library is, like, super the best way to kind of practice together and learn yeah. and grow together. You know, and it's, again, it's that we talk about it all the time, that, like, rising tide lifts all boats. Yeah. Let's lift all these boats, guys. We've given you a, a plethora of TV shows and movies and books to read and look at and, and other sundry actions. Uh, so what are your things? Let us know below. Comment below with that kind of stuff. Uh, primarily because we always... We always have time to read more books. 
even though we have a stack of books a mile high. And watch high, more things. And watch more shows. Yeah. And we want to know about that stuff because there's so much out there and no one person has enough time to consume all of it. Yeah. So we want to know what the cool stuff is and you're the cool people because you're listening to us. So tell us what's cool, bro. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So nice yeah. and simple. Obviously, this was a long one. I'd say apologies, but that's a lie. It was awesome and you loved it. So don't even worry. <laughs> Yeah, you're welcome for that. Bold <laughs> confidence is the secret to everything. Uh, well, and on that note, we would like to say thank you to our patrons yeah. who help us do what we do and better every time. Yeah. So thank you to Alan, Miranda, Helena, Alexa, and Somewhere. We appreciate you. You guys are awesome and stay awesome. Uh, and then obviously the video that comes out after this is going to be a full length podcast episode. I don't know what it's about, but I almost never do, even though she tells me my memory don't work that way so good luck you guys out there um and if you uh if you want to support us on patreon all the links are below everything's below don't don't worry about that that'll be below if you're on youtube and if you're listening to the podcast network that's going to be wherever the description or notes or whatever they're calling it is uh, so don't worry about that. Uh, if you are on YouTube, don't forget to like this video, comment below, share, subscribe, ring the bell, and do all that kind of sundry such. And uh, if you're on your podcast network, leave us a review. That's how we know that you listened there, because there's nothing else that's real. Um, but yeah, yeah, either way, I've been John Norgrove. This has been Julie Norgrove. This has been The Horn. And Cauldron Podcast. podcast. Pub Chat Edition. And we will catch you guys next time with more uh, me saying too many words. Yeah, and don't forget... Breathe in self-confidence and breathe out self-doubt. <laughs>